got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah, and I've been reading all Another awesome episode of Put That Coffee Down. My name's Kevin Hill. Here, as always, with the Dooner. How are you doing today, Dooner? You know, I'm excited because today we're going to get a little bit back into the guts of freight and talk about how some concepts really apply to how people are selling. And Kevin, I know you sold freight. I sold freight. And one of the biggest challenges that I faced in doing that was handing off the accounts and keeping the accounts handed off, knowing whether to be cradle to the grave or that Chicago freight style or a hybrid of both. Today, we hope to gain some clarity on that. And we're going to have our good friend, the freight coach, Chris Jolly, join us. We are. He's going to explain it all to us and our audience out there uh, about what's the the best system. I mean, the the buy-sell is very popular, but I've seen companies try to execute it. It it takes a lot of execution. It's a lot of process, uh, a lot of uh, discipline, and a lot of time to to really get that off the ground. And and I always did cradle to grave myself, which has its its good points and bad points. It's hard to scale up. Uh, You're you're the point of contact, and and what you, you find are a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls around in a room all doing their own special recipe uh, of how they get customers and how they keep customers and and nothing's uniform and, and basically if one of those people leave then uh, your your customer uh, customer relationships if you're the business owner or a manager or are shaky at best yeah a lot of you know I found it in freight brokerage when I was with three peels that a lot of times this there was a, a, a few facets why it was hard to hand the customer off. One is that a lot of customers, I don't know if you've ever seen The Gods Must Be Crazy, but there's a scene where this guy kicks a Wolverine with his boot, and the only way to get rid of the Wolverine was to give him his, his boot. And that happens sometimes with your customers, right? You try to pass them off to customer service, but they keep using you as the point of contact without mm-hmm. including customer service. It can be a challenge, but the other challenge can be a lot of customer service departments drop the ball, so you're incentivized if you want to retain the account to stay in cradle the grave, but it can be hard to scale from there, right? And ideally, you want to you want to have touch with your customers. You want to know when to circle back and, and consider those communications, but you don't want to have to nurture them every single step of the way. You don't want to, but but sometimes that, that just happens because, as you said, it's a very complicated process. It sounds really simple, and on paper, it is really simple. You have a salesperson go out and land accounts, and then you hand it off to the customer service. But you know, unlike software or other products, you know, if you sell software, the, the customer is going to engage with that software, not necessarily. Uh, a person every single day, but we, we talk about how relationships are so important in freight brokerage, and that is is one of the hindrances of scaling up a freight brokerage almost, right? Because you're you're so you have such a good relationship because you're working together with your customers on a daily basis. And to to hand that off is extremely difficult. And uh, you, you you brought up great points there, Dooner. I mean it's just uh, you're selling you're selling this service and your customer expects it to be you that provides it. Yeah. And, and now how do you, how do you go from you to, to someone else? And that, that could be a, a, a project or a customer that you've worked a long time on. It could be a high value proposition. And then you're going to, 
hand over the keys to somebody else to, to actually operate and make the, the margin on that, uh, you, you have to really delegate. And a lot of people don't, just don't want to relinquish that control. Um, me being one of them. Okay, a few shout outs to people in the comments. Lisa Petty says, good morning. Sheena Dave. Hi, guys. Chris Jolly. Good morning. All I know, he's excited to be on today. Robert Boosie. Love the guys. Great topic. Chicago Rob checking in. Wayne Craig. Hey, guys from South Haven, Michigan. Always driving around. They just had some primaries, I believe, over that way. Uh, and Jamin says, hey, Freight. Friendos, Corey Albers, doing her. What's up, Eric Serta, uh, Lisa Petty, all the gangs here. So thank you guys for joining us. Let's get into our uh, our first piece of business here. And like we like to do, it's a little bad marketing. Today, it's today. Kevin, stop me if you've heard this one. Hi, I hope you and your family members are safe from the coronavirus. I know you may be busy during these unprecedented times. How are you and your family dealing with the new normal? Just stop, man. Stop wasting the opening line of your email on this crap. We're, already, we're past it. We know the coronavirus is happening, but like we don't need to hear about it in every email, except we, especially from some stranger. Stop trying to manufacture empathy in such a lazy way. It makes me angry, Kevin. I see this every day. I, I get at least four or five in my freight waves email inbox. I get four or five in my careless inbox. I get four or five direct messages on, on LinkedIn. They all start the same way about the <laughs> coronavirus and pandemic and a lot of wasted words. A lot of wasted words before they even get to the point. And usually it goes on for about another 300 words uh, before you can even figure out what they're even talking about. Yeah, there's one in my inbox I got today and it was like, you know, I hope you're not dying of coronavirus. By the way, would you like some podcast advertising and marketing? No, no, no. If you want to talk to me about something that's pissing me off right now, talk to me about sending kids back to school because I'm paying a lot of money to go to kindergarten and not getting a lot back in return for that one, Kevin Hill. So if that's how you want to engage me, just stop. Like, the, it's like, oh, that's like, it's fixed your automation you probably that was a fine maybe opening line in march or april we first started working from home update it get it out of there if that's in your thing right now go through your email tree and get that stupid line out of there it's annoying people kevin we got a quote it is annoying people. <laughs> we, we got a quote it is annoying. we got a quote my man go this, i got one right here it's don't tell me i can't do it don't tell me it can't be done that's from howard hughes and the aviator and this is a nod to a lot of the people who join us on this show i've noticed a lot of them have been making content, right? They've started doing podcasts. They've started making blogs. And I've also seen some comments and people said, oh, interesting time to start doing this. Isn't it a crowded market? No, it's not. God bless you guys for going out there and doing it. If you have good content, if you have something to say, go and do it. Don't let other people project their own insecurities about en entering the market on you. Go out there and get it grabbed by the throat and bring it home dead. Dead. It's always a crowded market. No matter what you do, it's a crowded market. You've got to be better than anybody else and, and not necessarily even better than everybody else. You have to be more disciplined. You have to, to create more, pump it out. If that's what you want to do, if you're having fun to do it, fun doing it, right? We have fun doing it. Just pump out as much content as humanly possible. And that's how you, how, how you get better. That's how you practice. That's how uh, you make a, a go at it. Yes, sir. How about a sales hut tip for the peanut gallery? Sales Hot Tip. Boom. Now, Kevin, this one comes from the world of LTL. Jill Clifford from Aborn & Company, place I used to work, was marketing director over there, was on What the Truck on Monday, and we were talking about the ins and outs of LTL, and one thing that came up was LTL 
classifications. This also rang like a bell in my head because I also saw a post from Michael Neme talking about LTL classifications. And why this is a great sales tip is if you're looking for an in with a company, a shipper, and you know they ship LTL, there is a high likelihood that some of their freight is either misclassified or mispalletized with the wrong class. And this is a great savings opportunity to add value, a way to create a conversation, get that seed planted in people's head that their freight may be misclassified. Very good for LTL. Shipper shows you have some knowledge of how the space works. I highly recommend using that one the second you learn someone's operating an LTL. What do you think of that, Kevin? I think that is exactly right. When you say there's a high probability, that probability is most likely 99.999999% that something's misclassified. They're overpaying. Uh, we've been working with a lot of auditors, uh, uh, you know, freight auditors. Uh, I, I think next week, what, Steve Ferrar is going to be on here uh, yeah. from Ocean Audit, and that's kind of what he does as well, but on the ocean side. And it's just an industry that is rife with overpayments and misclassifications. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably just a nightmare to, to, to go through. But, yeah, that's definitely one of the, the first goals is start auditing that. See if you can save your customers some money just, just in that one easy piece. Low-hanging fruit right there. All right, let's get into our main topic. So our main topic is really one about you've got the account Now what? So we're talking about retention, right? You want to get out of that transactional. You want to have that recurring revenue. And the only way to get recurring revenue is to have people keep paying you and keep moving freight with you. In fact, here's a little, here's a few statistics that may be eye-opening to some, to others who've been doing sales for a while, maybe not so much, but according to marketing metrics, the success rate of selling to an existing customer is 60 to 70%. Well, the success rate of selling to a new customer is only five to 20%. In fact, Gartner Group statistics tells that 80% of your company's Future revenue will come from just 20% of your existing customers. So this is vital. Don't get lost at the top of the funnel, Kevin Hill, right? Don't get lost. And that is the Pareto rule right there. 80% of your, your company's re- future revenue will come from just 20% of your existing customer. It's, everyone knows the customer acquisition costs or the, the customer or the sales acquisition costs for existing customers is always much, much lower then a new customers, there's all kinds of businesses uh, geared right around that. And freight brokerage is definitely one of those because, you, you know, as a salesperson the, yourself, you're going to have four or five really good customers. And then you're going to have 15 or 20 people that, you know, you, you do one off very transactional moves for. But those four or five, that's all you need to be really successful in this business. If you have 10, then you're really doing good. 10 really high revenue producing uh, customers, uh, you're, you're doing great. Four or five, man, you're, you're, you're going to be above average in this space. There's nothing worse than that feeling of, of it seeming like someone's marketing the hell out of you. They're going out of their way to land you as a customer. They land you. Then there's a problem, and then it's silence. You can't reach your person. You can't reach a contact. You're stuck on hold for 45 minutes listening to you know god-awful music. You can't get anything resolved. It's, a, it's, it's horrible. It's awful, and it makes you stop becoming a brand advocate, and it keeps you from becoming a brand advocate. However, I was reading a lot of blogs about this, a lot of blogs about retention, and, not a, and a lot of them made it just seem so easy. Just do these tips. But we want to start this out by talking to you that it's it's easier said than done, right? Because there's several different mm-hmm. models to look at. There's that Chicago style of land and abandon to CSR, just keep high activity, right? You are in Chicago style, you are hanging out a lot at the top of the funnel, right? You're you're constantly trying to bring in new customers. You're probably KPI'd that way. You may not be looking at retention as much. Then you have the cradle to the grave, which happens quite often if you're at a smaller 
3PL, you already know that your customer service team is taxed and you know that you're going to have to pick up a lot of the weight here. And also it might be a selling point of your smaller brokers, sort of that intimate feel, that one-on-one person. They don't want to be shifted over to automation or be told to go to a website. They need to be dragged along each step of the way. But there can be inherent problems with that. One being it's very, very difficult to scale and you're going to get phone calls and emails at all hours of the night and the blame will always rest squarely on your shoulders. You have no firewall as a salesperson if you have to stay too long in that cradle to the grave system because everything is always your fault it is always your fault it is and that's why when i was a freight broker i was in a cradle to a grave model so that means no days off it means that that you're handling a hundred percent you know we didn't have customer service it was just us so you're handling a hundred percent of that freight so if you go on vacation if you go to belize for a week right you're going to hand it off to someone else who has running their own accounts as well and you're going to get oh a dozen calls a day Uh, asking little detailed questions that no one else knows except for you. So it's very, very hard to scale. And sometimes you have customers that, that, uh, that require a lot of attention and you get up to this plateau and you just don't have enough time in the day to bring on someone new, to go out and find someone new, to go out and go through that sales process, to bring them in, onboard them. And you just don't have the bandwidth if you're doing everything. So that's really uh, the, the biggest knock on Cradle to the Grave is just it's not scalable. Uh, but as far as uh, a customer service and servicing your customers, it has a lot of really good positives. Customer service is an aspect of sales, and it can be used to create those conversations to help drive sales further. But an approach that you can also use is it's not black and white. You can use a hybrid and dynamic one, but this is going to take you doing sort of being honest with the organization you work for and doing some assessment of how good your customer service and retention team is, how good customer success is. Because for a lot of salespeople, especially if we really value that retention, we know that this account, if we bring it along the line far enough, we can do those cross sales, we can do those upsells, we can make them an advocate, but only if we're there for every step of the way and we're terrified, we're terrified of doing that trust fall backwards into the customer service department. So let's try to find uh, some sort of middle ground here. Let's talk about some of the aspects that go into what happens when you land the account. The first thing is the the account handling, right? You got to get the right docs in order. You have to make sure, especially your book and freight, you got to make sure, or you're doing customs brokerage, you got to make sure you have that that POA or whatever waivers you need to move the freight. It's hazmat. Make sure you have the right, especially on that first shipment, make sure you have the account set up, make sure you have the right docs in place and make sure you know who the customer service handoff is going to be. Make sure you know all of that. Yeah, you, you have to get all that paperwork in order because, you know, those first few freight movements are really the most important. And if you screw those up, then all that hard work, all that time, all that prospecting, all those cold calls to get that customer in the door kind of just disappears away. And I've seen it happen in a lot of freight brokerages. It's happened to me. You know, I, I couldn't cover that first load and all that hard work just disappears. And I'm at square one once again. You have to seek an empathetic point of view, too. You have to understand your customer's journey. And we talk about this in the sales process all of the time, but don't forget that this initial customer service journey is also part of the sales process. So understand that your customer, especially if they're new, they may not be familiar with the ins and outs of your company, how you communicate, what the cadence is, how docs are delivered, how a delivery order may be transmitted, how billing is sent out. All of those processes along the way are where it is your job to educate the customer so they understand that, so you can properly pass that baton onto customer service. And one of the things you'll find sometimes is that toxic thinking, right? Where someone goes, well, that's not my job do you want the account or not 
I know, right? If you want that account, then everything's your job. Everything's your responsibility. And that's whether you're an account manager, whether you're the outside salesperson, account manager, customer service, uh, carrier sales, whatever it is, it's everyone's responsibility. So it's all hands on deck. Get that, that new customer onboarded and start doing transactions, uh, movements of freight that are easy for the customer to do. And that, that's the entire process from pickup to delivery to billing to uh, misclassifications or, or classifying things right, whatever it may be. Uh, you just have to. It's everyone's responsibility on the floor. Here's here, here's what happens. So you, you follow them along, get them along that journey, follow that first shipment. And then when you're doing your handoff, here's the next step that I want you to to explore. If you're not doing it, set up a video call, set up a video call with yourself and the customer service rep that's going to be handling the account. Allow them to see each other, allow them to speak to each other and create that rapport so they understand there's more to the organization than just an email address. Because I think what happens a lot of times in sales, too, is we include our customer sales team. Right. But then the client doesn't know who that is. They have the relationship with you. So help them create that relationship Early on, quick video chat, just 10 minutes, the ins and outs. You can even show them how they go about tracking and tracing the uh, the expected service level they can get from this person and, and who to contact and how quickly they'll get a response if they have an issue. I think this is highly crucial and it's often ignored and it's often done through a passive uh, dismissive email. And I think that's when the that's the first time you start making your customer feel cold about this process. Yeah, you have to do the video call. You have to, to, to look eye and eye. I know we can't travel, and sometimes you can't travel anyway, but but look everyone eye and eye. Get, get your entire team that's going to be handling the account in the room. Make sure that they get their, your customer gets theirs, and maybe their boss too, as high up as you can get in the room so everyone can have buyouts. I was, I was, uh, this weekend, uh, actually listened to a podcast, uh, Joe Lynch, our, our friend Joe Lynch, uh, Logistics of Logistics, Nicole Glenn was on there. Mm. And uh, she describes this process really well. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I, I encourage you to go listen to it. I think the next step too is now that you're, you want to create an ident- identity with them, you want to add value. If you're in a, so many, so many people in our comments now, so many companies are starting to do content marketing things to create value. They're starting to do newsletters. They share news stories. They make podcasts. They talk about relevant information that may pertain to your clients. So when you're doing this onboarding process, get them in the ecosystem too. Let them know about the resources you have. Show them a few of them. Ask their permission to sign up for the newsletter and get that constant visibility in front of them. Not at a spam level, but at a value level. If you're doing the right marketing, you're going to have the content that's going to add value get them familiarized and educated within your ecosystem we're all content creators right if you, if you listen to, to say gary v i mean every company is a media company right your your own media so sign them up for newsletters i mean you can automate this process so well right now and you don't even have to use you know i hope you're you're doing well with the coronavirus right you don't have to do mad bad marketing you can do a weekly newsletter you can do hot tips you can do there's so so much that that work can be shared and automated pushed out uh, it's it's sometimes easier to do a one minute video than than write anything out. So you can do that. You can embed it. I mean, basically, uh, you're talking about thirty, forty, fifty dollars for an email marketing tool per month. It costs you nothing to do, and it is so important to to stay engaged. And it, it's something that you can do just automatically. You know, you can have six months of a new customer onboarding. You have you could set up six months of maybe weekly or twice weekly emails that you don't really have to think about anymore, but you're just still engaged, engaged, engaged. 
Evan Korn, he actually steals my next point a bit here. He says, it's all about personal touches with your customers. If anything, you're entering a partnership. And when you can put faces to voice and emails, it makes the difference. And Jamin Biscuit says, you are spot on. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is something that I, I think a lot of guys, a lot of people do, a lot of guys, girls, salespeople don't do, is they don't set up a proper communication schedule in their CRM for that follow through. They might do it from a sales perspective. Oh, I want to hit them up for a cross sell or an upsell. But at this early stage of onboarding, you really want to make sure you're having several early on touch points. One, you know, setting up the account, congratulate them, right? You might want to send them a note at this point, send them some swag you have lying around. You know, we're not giving away at foot traffic at conferences. So maybe put in a mailbox, know where your mailroom is, know where the postage stamper is and get some stuff out to people. Write those notes like Kevin says, draw them a picture. It doesn't matter. It's just that personalized feel, that non-automated feel, especially at the beginning. It'll go a long way. It'll create a lot of equity for you with the individual. And then along this early journey, because I, so many times when I have done shipments, when I was working for a 3PL, the first one inevitably will not be to the expectation of the client. Something will get screwed up. They'll be kind of angry, but not so angry they hate you. So angry they want to know that you will resolve that quickly. And this is a point where you can really, really gain that trust. So make sure you're staying in there and make sure you're staying uh, abreast of their shipment. And when it is delivered, reach out to them, say, how did that arrive to you? And then again, when the billing is coming out 30 days later, find out if that came across well as well. Don't let any screw up during that initial stage because that will temper their first impression of you as a service provider. And it's going to be very, very hard to shake that. It's going to be very, very hard, and this is where it goes off the rails for most freight brokerages. We, we talk about credible grave. We call we, we talk about buy sell. You talk about pods and, and where that fits into it. But this is the step that really goes off the rails, just like you said. You know, there's there's not a set process that is repeatable and that that gets repeated whenever you set up new accounts. Is it just like everyone has their own kind of way of doing it, and some people don't you know, follow through, through all those steps. And 30 days later, you know, you're sending out your, your first bill, 30 days seems like a lifetime sometimes. So you, maybe you even forget that, that you onboarded somebody. Um, but, but this process and it's all about process with freight brokerage. And I, I, I write about this a little bit, name it and claim it, you know, get a, a process down and that it can follow throughout the entire organization that is successfully proven to, to onboard or to handle freight, whatever the task is, and follow that. And if you start following that, then you get to a point where you can do, do really creative things to scale up. You know, th- this is why there's the, probably the most famous phrase in freight is, where is my freight? And Chris... Marciniak, he says this in the comments. He says, your business is not only understanding your customers, but their clients. You should know the client as similar as the cradle to the grave process. And I like that point because... When you're, you're talking about these shipments, you're talking about freight, the reason a lot of times your customer is going to be upset, the shipper is going to be upset, is because this is late getting to their client, and they need to know because they need answers for somebody else. So the longer you take to get them an answer, the greater the amount of urgency and the hotter their seat gets to get someone else that answer. So you have to understand the perspective of your client because their perspective is tempered not by you, but by their own clients, as Chris had said. 
And, and that all goes back to, to always be asking questions, always be qualifying. Uh, Michael Caney uh, said this in one of our first episodes, that the best closers or the best salespeople are people who are always qualifying. You know, you might be working with the same same customer for 10 years, but every single phone call, you're still quali- you're still asking really great questions, qualifying, making sure that, that you're in touch with what they're thinking. And if you, if, if you do that, then you're like a really good waiter, right? A really good waiter that, that brings food or drinks or, or, or makes the experience so good because they're they're doing things before the the guest or the the, the the diner even knows what they want. Here's a mistake people make too when they're doing this. So you've you've onboarded the account, right? Everything went great, or maybe there was an issue, but you were honest and open. You resolved it. Everything smooth over. You sent them a letter. You sent them maybe a little bit of swag. You've made them feel good. Go back to those initial notes because, look, when you landed this account, you're landing with a person who doesn't completely trust you. So cross-sell or upsell may have been difficult, right? They might be like, you know what? I don't want to give you everything just now. I just want you to move a shipment. I want to test you out. I want to give you a shot and see how that is moving. Well, now that you've created some some relationships, you've created some equity, don't be afraid to circle back to those initial conversations, that initial research you've done, what you've learned while talking to them, and reintroduce some of these elements that you could help them with. Maybe that's a SaaS service you offer on top of your freight. Maybe that's your DFB. Maybe that's whatever else accessorial you wanted to introduce to them. Start leveraging that trust that you have created. Yeah, you, you, you got to leverage that trust. That's where cross-selling, upselling, and and all those selling into your, your current client, customer base comes from. It's you know getting that trust, doing a great job, and then just every conversation, you, you, you throw in other things that you can do. Other things that you can do. It's basically you're always closing, right? Always be closing. So every every conversation that you're having, you're always trying to cross-sell. You're always trying to upsell. And uh, you, you'll get there and start bringing in more and more business and create a, a power customer. Well, and here's the thing too. Do not, do not brush off issues, customer service issues that come up. Don't, because if one customer is facing them and it's on your side of the equation, it's coming from your team, uh, whatever aspect that may be, there's probably service failures among your other clients. And that might be a good time to do something you love to do. Be like, wow, I just heard about this service failure. Their freight arrived not only a day late, but there was very little communication from CSR. This is a great time to initiate a survey of all of your customers, isn't it, Kevin? It is. It's a great time because if you're failing on one customer, you're probably failing on other customers and you're just not aware of it yet. You know, especially if you're a manager in a management role, you might not be aware of all the little hidden problems that you can't see that are might blow up in your face very soon. So it's a perfect time to do a survey. I love surveys, you know, so it's always really actually it's always a good time to do a survey. But especially if you think that something is wrong, do a survey very quickly and it's something that you can do on SurveyMonkey or MailChimp. Uh, there's really easy ways to do surveys. You can even do the old school route and make all your account reps call the customer and ask them a couple questions. Yeah, I agree. And, the, and one other thing before we crawl Chris Jolly would be use your data. I mean, data is important. Use your data. It's going to help you prevent churn. And what you want to look at in your data is a couple things. One, obviously, is pull, pull your pull your freight booking numbers, right? And if you have a client that was booking consistently with you, they start dropping off. Great time to contact them. Find out why. If there is a big uptick, great time to contact them. Thank them. They're, they're giving you a lot more freight. Um, and the other thing I would say is at your top of funnel, looking a little bit more at the top of funnel, make a relationship with your marketing team 
and see who is doing click-throughs on the blog posts and all this extracurricular material that you're sending out there because those would be great lead sources for you as well. So always make sure you fight for data, always get data and leverage it as much as you can. Wouldn't you agree with that, Kevin? Yeah, the, the more visibility you have on what's going on, especially on the click-through rates. I love click-through rates. I love looking and seeing the percentage and seeing who's clicking through on things. And basically, I, I open a, accounts that, that way. And also, there, there's all kinds of software where you can see when people open up your emails. So you know when people are truly ghosting you or might, may not have seen it. And you can see when people open up your, your email correspondence from six months ago from someone you didn't close and pick up the phone, make a call. You, so use that data too. You can even see what articles are clicking on. If they click on them within the newsletter, mm-hmm. if you have your if you have your newsletter set up right, that gives you an endpoint for a conversation and be like, hey, we recently, you don't have to be creepy about it. Be like, hey, I saw you click through on my email and, and about this article. Like, you can be more oh, like, know, yeah. hey, you may have seen on our site, we put out this article about this and they're not going to be like, oh, what are you stocked? They're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think I saw that in the newsletter. Yeah, such and such a thing might happen. These are all entry points for conversation. But let's bring Chris on because I know Chris has some really phenomenal advice about all of this stuff. We'll uh, bring him up right now. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right. Are you inspired, Chris Jolly? Thanks for joining Kevin Hill and I on Put That Coffee Down. It's been too long, my man. How are you guys doing today in these unprecedented times? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I, I had to. I had to. I, I hope you don't have the coronavirus. Would you like some free marketing <laughs> assessment? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I can also save you 20% on your transportation right now. We'll leave the light on for you. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> All right, Chris Jelly, hold on. Audience who may not know you, I know in the comments a lot of people do. My last point, I was running out of time, was uh, I was actually networking to create a network, create a, create a, whether it be a Slack channel, a LinkedIn group, uh, something on your own website or ecosystem, but create a way that customers can communicate with you. Always keep those channels open. But now let's get to an elevator pitch. You got 30 seconds. I'm starting it right now. Hi, my name is Chris Jolly, and I'm the founder of C. Jolly Freight Consulting. We partner with growth stage companies where leadership is still active within the day-to-day. And our priority is to collaborate with you and your company to tailor niche-specific transportation training methods to fit to your company's culture and vision for the future. Good stuff. Ding, oh. ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I know. We're still in the elevator. It's getting awkward now. Uh, hey, hey I'm, 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 I, it is getting awkward. You don't need 30 seconds to say your pitch. Come on. We, we only have 30 seconds sometimes. There's an entire guy. There's an entire guy on uh, on LinkedIn who does 27-second phone calls. So he would be off the elevator. He would jump off even if he hadn't hit the floor yet. But Jonathan Payne, Jonathan Payne, he says a point here. And he goes, it's as a freight broker, it's important to remember to be a resource and provide relevant information. There's a long gray line of salespeople that – just say that just ask what you got for me today yeah so this is a show for you to kick their ass those guys are a lot of those people are lost causes you know we're not focusing on them can't worry about those people right worry about your customer service team and worry about yourself most importantly and never utter the words that's not my job because as a salesperson you've got one boss and that's your bottom line at the end of the month no i agree with that wholeheartedly and any sales rep out there any employee who says that's not their job go out on your own and sign your own paycheck it's that simple. You know, it, it, you're the face of that account, no matter what, whether you have an operations team running it, the sales rep who onboarded it has to be the face of it, has to be the end all be all. That is your job as a sales rep, in my opinion. So, so uh, going to the sales training, what, what's 
what's the biggest challenges that freight brokers just have with training their, their sales department? I, I think it, it boils down to, Kevin, you, you brought this up a lot, is objections. You know, we all face them. They're all the same. We don't use brokers or we're asset only. It's getting confidence in being able to expect that and be able to navigate that to turn that into a positive. Even if it's just getting some contact information to start building that relationship. It's not all one phone call, close the deal, and then all of a sudden you're going to just make all of this money doing it. You have to invest in properly training your sales team on how this is done. I mean, if you're, if you're in leadership right now, you've been making those cold calls before. You know what to expect. So why not invest the time through your experiences to ensure that this next generation of freight brokers is set up for success. I would agree with that. What do you, so today's topic mm-hmm. too, and I believe you've touched on this on videos. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not an out of the woods sort of topic, but what is your, what is your thoughts on the customer sales journey and how to avoid staying at the top of the, the funnel the entire time and worrying about those customers you already have? What kind of advice do you give to sales professionals there? And what ideally does that journey look like? You know, as a sales rep and somebody who, you know, spent the last better part of the decade doing this, you know, even if you are handing that account off to an operations team or a customer service team is, you know, like I mentioned before, it's always being present. You know, there, there's benefits to any model that you work in in brokerage. Otherwise, they wouldn't be used anymore. There, there's, there's proof in that concept, you know, but I, I just feel like, you know, whether you're in cradle to grave, whether you're in the pod model, Whatever model that it is, I mean, if you're selling, you need to be there to be an asset, you know, because tracking, on-time pickup and delivery, all of that stuff, that is the expectation, okay? That, you know, whatever you want to call it, you have to provide those things to become an asset. You need to be that provider that they go to. You know, I don't, I don't want to swear, but we call them the oh crap um, provider. On Friday afternoon, whatever time that is, they know they can call you and you're going to give them an actual option to move their freight. Chris, how many uh, how many salespeople do you think take the time to shadow their their customer service or operations team to understand what actually happens after they sell an account? Because as someone who's worked in both sales, operations, and marketing, I can tell you there's a big disconnect between the departments. And But then you've got guys like Thomas Smiley in the comments who says, I hear this constantly that it's not my job, but he grew up in this industry, and uh, I've been in this industry for a long time too. And one thing I know is that the people who are successful in this industry tend to fill in an all different parts of the house and they tend to have this very interesting and and well-rounded background after a while because of the needs of the organizations that they're in and because they bring a lot of value but what do you say to the people who don't take any effort to learn what's going on under the hood resign you know like get get do do yourself and the company a favor and get out of the way because you have to take ownership of your account you know because you know the, the true cost of a, of a shipment you need to know that as a sales rep. You need to know the, the, the soft co- um, cost of a shipment. What does it cost to process a load? You know, just because you make $250 on a load, after you factor in the soft cost, that's not always the case. You know, so you, you need to know what obstacles accounting faces as well. Maybe they switched. I've had this happen before uh, in my career where my customers switched their entire accounting practices. And then all of a sudden we rang up a $100,000 bill because they weren't paying the invoices in time because they were implementing anything. That relationship goes deeper than just the sales rep and the transportation manager. You want your companies intertwined so you do not face these obstacles that unfortunately I've experienced multiple times in my career. So 
so so we have so so this show is about handing off customers, Chris. Where yeah. where do you think companies should focus the most? Right, where should their their eyeballs be to improve the process to get the biggest bang for their their time or resources to to improve? Because you know it's problematic all the way through the process of handing you know getting that new sales uh, new customer in the door all the way to the handoff, but. So there's got to be a problem area there that is maybe undervalued or or should be laser focused on. Yeah, I, I think it, it starts in your approach. It starts in the verbiage. If if I'm an outside sales rep and my sole job is to hunt and hand off the accounts, you always need to be saying my team, my team, my team. Subliminally, you're putting it into their mind that there's going to be other individuals that are going to be in contact with them. You know, and then you sit down. It's not just here, here's the account, run with it. You're the sales rep. You have all the information. Write down the customer requirements. Do they require a photocopy of the proof of delivery? Do they take a cell phone picture? Whatever these little nuances might be, sit down with your, with your account manager, list all of this off so you guys are on the same page. Take the time, put together an SOP so people can operate off of that. Because you guys know just as well as anybody who's watching this, you're only as good as your last shipment in this industry. It doesn't matter if you do a thousand shipments perfect, you're only as good as your last one. So take the time and invest in this process because, you know, activating accounts is the easy part. Growing them, scaling them and being their provider, that's when the real, that's when the real effort starts. And that's when the real work starts. Like you had mentioned in your post, Dooner, that's the, you just have to be so dialed into everything. And, and invest the time into it. It's not just activate the account, pass it off, and move on with your day. You have to set these things in place. Yeah, and you know what, too? You get some people who come into sales and they go, well, I sold pens or I sold this, so I should be great at selling freight. And this isn't true because freight is a very nuanced field with its own dialogue, its own language, and its own way of how operations work. And in order to really understand your customers or their clients' need, you have to start becoming a bit of a student of the game. If you're a salesperson, you come in, you go, you know, this is just easy. You know, I just try to give them a low rate. I try to get it to them first. I... You're not going to have customers that last for a long time during this journey. And the people who do here, the one thing that's also unique about freight is operations managers that you're selling to, they tend to actually know, you know, they may be wrong about some of the things they're doing in terms of optimization, in terms of using data, in terms of using digital tools that are out there, but they know the actual functionality of the movement of freight. And that is something that you as a salesperson need to understand so you can speak at the same level and the same language to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know Kevin's going to appreciate this, that I, I, you'll scale it back to, you know, finding the, the, the riches in the niches, you know, become an expert in that, you know, and, and just don't go across the board and shoot from the hip, you know, dive into this stuff, know their business just as well, if not better than they do. So you can be there to elevate their business and, and not sit here and, and question and do anything, you know, provide solutions. That's what you need to do. I know this isn't a, an actual word, but you become a solutionist for your customer. Don't don't p- pass the buck on anything. Oh, yeah, guys. Oh, Mark Horowitz. He just put a very, very, very controversial comment in the comment section where he said sales reps need to create an SOP for the ops reps, ops reps to properly hand off the account and the expectations to manage the account. I know a lot of salespeople who would never do that. They would never think to do that. They'd be upset <laughs> if you asked them to take the time to do that. You would get so much blowback. I've been in operations. They will flip out half the time. Salespeople will, if you ask them to have any ownership of the SOP. But do you think that that is valued? Do you think that's important, Chris? 
100% that's important. As a sales rep, I want to be a part of that process. I want to ensure because you know what? It affects your commission check too. Like these, these ops, your ops team is like the offensive lineman in football. You know, they're doing all the work and get little recognition. And as a sales rep, you're the star quarterback whose face is on the front of the, at the top of the leaderboard and everything else. That affects your, your, your commission. That affects your reputation. First, you know, most importantly, this is a, the biggest small industry out there. And if you get a bad name in this industry, when it comes down to it, it's going to spread like wildfire. Just wait. If you don't believe me, just wait. Chris, I love that you say the niches or the niches have the riches because that's what I believe too. You need to be an expert. And I know from experience that if you're calling transportation managers and you're trying to, to BS them, they've been burned by every good, bad, and different broker out there. And unless you know where they're coming from, you're not going to get very far with them. So that, that's a, an excellent point. My thing is I, I know the, the cradle to the grave model is out of flavor. It's hard to scale. There's a lot of issues with it. Sell me on cradle to the grave. Give me the, the, the good points about that, because I know a lot of our listeners and viewers out there are cradle to the grave freight brokers, right? So it's not all bad news. You know, the, the buy-sell model is, I, I think it's a probably a more scalable model, definitely, and probably more superior, hard to execute. Sell me on cradle to grave and, and why, why freight brokers just should use it. You know, from that perspective, it is that single point of contact for absolutely everything. You have that extreme ownership over your customers. You are not calling into a call center. You have my cell phone direct. There is not a group email that this goes to. This comes to me directly. I handle everything through the entirety of the shipment. I'm not passing you to my accounting team when there's a billing issue. I'm not passing you to my operations team. If there's a a delay on it, I am going to answer every single one of your questions direct. You will not have to go through a call center or anything. The singular point of contact for you is the most important piece in this model. That is the piece that you drive home and sell because you know what? You You don't have to list extensions then, nothing. It's a direct line. It's a direct cell phone, a direct form of contact to the sales rep. But with that being said, Answer your phone every single time the customer calls you. Do not let that slip. <laughs> hey, Chris, Chris, pretend I yeah. just got a, so you yeah. see on LinkedIn, I see, you see I update my job. I just got a job at TQL as a, uh, as a freight broker, junior freight broker. I got to make a hundred cold calls a day. Pretend I haven't been in the industry ever. Uh, what do you tell someone like that? Cause they're entering an environment that creates a ton of dilution with all of these, you know, meaningless cold calls and cold emails going out by people who just got out of college, you know, no, have, don't know anything about how freight moves, making, uh, making the people who do make decisions on the other end annoyed and upset. So what do you tell about the person there? It's a cut through a lot of noise and really has uh, the, the eight ball ahead of them. You know, be unique. Be unique in your approach. See what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. Okay. Because they get the same sales pitch every single time. Don't come into it with that mindset that you have to read a script, personalize it, make it unique, and drive that home. Use your strengths to your advantage. If you're quirky, run with that. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've used this example in the past. I've said everything right in the cold call, everything right, and got hung up on. I've stumbled over my words, and I've stammered, and I've laughed at myself about it because that's who I am as a person, and I closed the account. You know, just own who you are as a person, and you will find success. There is a ton of work that comes with this. You're going to make 
thousands and thousands of calls. But if you're truly committed to it and you want to put in the hard work, you will find success in this industry. You definitely will. You do have to put in the hard work. So uh, let's go back to, to what you said about solving problems and offering solutions, because that's what a freight broker does, right? I mean, there's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's countless, you know, infinite amount of problems that, that happen all the time. <laughs> and we all kind of learn yeah. our lesson, right? We, 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 there's always some specific load or situation where we learn the answer of not ducking phone calls and in really develop start developing the art of delivering bad news because if you don't have if you don't know how to deliver bad news as a freight broker you're not going to make it very far because there's a lot of bad news that, that comes out so uh, do you have like a, a specific instant or a load where you really learn the importance of and the, the opportunity of delivering bad news solving the problem and offering a great solution and coming out on top yeah. I mean, so I have the what not to do PhD in this industry because I, I, I've just I've done so many wrong things. You know, the one load that sticks out to me the most, I had never done an open deck shipment in my life. I didn't even know what a crane offload was at that time. But the truck was running late. I knew the truck was running late a day beforehand. And I played that same game. Oh, it'll be there in a couple hours. It'll be there in a couple of hours. Well, the truck didn't arrive by noon. So the delivery window was between eight and noon. Um, the customer calls me and says, uh, you should have told me this five hours ago that the truck wasn't going to be here today because now you're paying for this crane's time today and you're paying for them to come back tomorrow to offload this. This could have been completely avoided. And then I got a bill for a couple thousand dollars and my boss took it out of my bonus check. So from that point forward, communication has always been key because most freight brokers know the night before if a truck's going to be late. You can easily see how many miles are out. And if that necessary step is needed to communicate the delay. And that's all that it boils down to because we all know trucks break down. We all know that there's delays. Communicate them because that is how you solve the problem ahead of time. So you don't get a couple thousand dollar bill taken out of your bonus at some point in your career. Chris, the, the peak of a customer journey, the peak, if you've really made it to the top, you're getting referrals, right? You have made a customer mm -hmm. so happy that they're willing to introduce you to someone else. They feel that comfortable with you. Uh, what do you say to people here? Because I think I'm one of those advocates that you should capitalize on social proof, especially with so many people have just figured out how to set up their their web cameras. I mean, I think a great thing salespeople could be doing now is if you have a customer who you've helped out, they're really happy with you. Why not ask them if they'd be interested in doing a five minute chat for you? Be like, look, I want to do just a testimonial with you. Would you mind just talking about some of the service that we've provided? You know, be honest that you might use it as a marketing pitch. You want to show it to other people. Yeah. But if you've really helped an individual out and they're, they're comfortable being on camera. Why would they say no? Do you think salespeople exploit social proof enough? Not at all. They need to utilize it. All. I mean, that's, that's your proof of concept in your, and everything you sell right there is through your customer referrals. I mean, if you're not asking your customers who are happy with you for referrals, do it now. Like you said, talk to them, see if they're comfortable with getting on camera, seeing if they can do something to help elevate you because if they are that satisfied and happy with your service, they will do anything for you. I've had that happen in my career. I've landed new accounts because my customer went to a trade show of other industry people in the concrete world. And I got three new accounts from that. They called me and said, Hey, I met so-and-so they have, they, they speak a lot, very highly of you, excuse me. And we want to see, we want to give you a shot as well. You know? So it's like, that's where it is. It, it, you know, like that's once you have that established track record, your com your customers 
we'll work with you because they want to elevate you as well. You're exactly right, Chris, and you are exactly right, Dooner, too. I, I, I think this is the most under, you know, undervalued point uh, of marketing for freight breakers because they're, they're scared to let other people know who their customers are. But mm. if you have a customer who's willing to, you know, vouch for you to give you referrals to get on camera and say how great you are, then, you know, who cares? Because every other freight broker is already calling that customer. You know, it's like if you buy a list or, you know, you generate a list, everyone, you, you have intense mm -hmm. competition. Everyone's calling these people anyway. And if you have a really good customer who's willing to, to do referrals, willing to uh, give you a testimonial, then you can give your competitors their name, their, their company and their phone number. And it shouldn't matter whatsoever. You know but what? Everyone's paranoid about this. Here's something too. Here, yeah. so I used to work at this this freight broker very briefly in 2016. It was in. I'm not a fan of the place at all. I'm not going to name them. If you want to go on LinkedIn, you can look at who they are. But I'm not going to name them. But this is a company that I would go on. I would constantly go on sales calls, and I would get thrown out because they'd be like, "Oh, your company sued me, or you had a sales rep from there." This guy, <laughs> he sits me down, he gives me a talking. He goes, "Your sales rep completely <laughs> me. They <laughs> me." He found out that they were charging him, so they sold him when freight was higher. They sold him on Ocean Freight out of Shanghai when it was uh, it was during the West Coast pork ride. It was like $3,800 a container. They never reduced the rate for this customer, so another salesperson inevitably eventually walked through that door, and, and freight was selling at $1,200 a container. They gave him the quote, and they're like, why is there a $2,600 delta? Do you know how infuriated this customer is? Enough to just chastise me and undress me in front of, a, in front of an entire uh, meeting sales room. He let me come there. He let me come in the lion's den to ambush me like that, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> he was waiting. Dooner, I hate to break it to you. He was waiting for that opportunity, oh, yeah. too. <laughs> You gotta be honest, though, right? You gotta always get ahead of the truth, not behind the lie. You, if you want a long-term relationship, you have to be honest with customers, right? You, yeah. You're always afraid you're gonna get discovered, and they're gonna kick you out, right? You're always afraid you're gonna get discovered. The problem is, if they discover something before you tell them, that's when you really get your ass kicked. One hundred percent. Never have your. That's the worst. You cannot spin that phone call as a broker if your customer's calling you about why their truck's late. You have no answer for him at that point, but you knew the truck was running. Like get ahead of these issues. You guys like it's you're not going to tell any transportation manager out there something they have not been told before, but you can tell them in a manner that gives them time to save their own behind on, on their end, you know, give them time, let them know about these things. Because if you don't, there's a thousand freight brokers out there that will. And just like Kevin was saying earlier, if you're that, concerned about people knowing who your customers are, your relationship is a lot more fragile than you think. Because when I was brokering, I would gladly give you every single one of my contact names, because that's how confident I am in my services and my abilities to make sure my customers are taken care of. Yeah, and you have to do that. And that goes with visibility, it's delivering bad news and, and making sacrifices, you know, with, with your margin sometimes so to make sure that you're honest and transparent. And like, like Junior was saying, you know, the, the rates come down, but you're still charging above. That's a, a good way to not only lose a customer temporarily, but permanently for, you know, the next, you know, poor slob who, who comes in and gets ambushed uh, in, in a meeting, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you completely burned, you bombed out uh, that, that relationship. And it's, it's 
cutting corners. I, I've seen this quite a bit too, you know, cutting quarters, trying to tack on an extra buck here and an extra buck there and, and playing around with detention and playing around with these a- accessorials. Uh, if, if, they, if they catch you doing that, you you have lost a customer. The entire organization's lost a customer. And as you said, Chris, uh, it's a big big small industry. And if that word gets around that that you're 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 cutting corners, uh, you know, uh, you're all, yeah. you're only looking out for yourself. It's just going to make exactly. this industry that much harder for you. Well, also, like the average and, person I mean, now, Kevin yeah. and Chris, the average person's had a job for like two years now. Look at LinkedIn, how, like how quickly people jump, because yeah. in modern times, that's one of the few re- ways you can even get a raise. You know, not everyone wants to live up yeah. a one percent increase every year. So you got to go somewhere else who's willing to pay you more based on experience. Well, that guy you pissed off, he's going to be at some other company down the road, too. You might be at a new company you have a new business card. Prepare to walk <laughs> in and get yelled at again. You know, it's, exactly. it's a supply chain. Exactly. Things are going to go <laughs> wrong in freight. They're going to go wrong. Just realize that supply Correct. chain. A lot of intermediaries, as Mark Hurwitz says, if you are good in this business, you have figured out how to be proactive and minimize many issues beforehand. But you can minimize how hard they have to jerk that chain so you don't get flipped off of it. Exactly. I, I can't even have a counter to that. I agree. <laughs> well, Chris, we have to get to some shout outs and a book drawing here, but how do people reach out and get some more uh, coaching out of you? No, definitely. Uh, you can reach out to me directly. My email is just Chris at the com. You connect, you can connect with me directly here on LinkedIn and uh, also through any other social media platform. It's just uh, at the freight coach. Awesome, Chris. You're crushing it out there. Uh, I know this is a a what the truck gimmick, but I'm going to give you a little cowbell anyway. Yeah, (laughs) there we go. Thank you guys so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, my man. Take Uh, it easy. Thank you, you, Chris. Wow. Because I always love talking to Chris. You you were like, when you saw him on, we did that, how to get on the Shark Tank show on what the truck a couple weeks ago with the guy from uh, Grit Mad. And we were talking about the whole process of Shark Tank, which is really fun. If you're in sales, check out that show because that kind of ended up being like a what the truck version of put that coffee down with some of the guests we had on. They did uh, some great fill in the blanks. But Chris was one of those guests and he imparted some great advice. So Mm -hmm. I remember you slacking me even during the show and you're like, we got to get him on put that coffee down. Yeah, definitely too. And and your your LinkedIn post that you posted right before, right after he was on what the truck was uh, was outstanding as well. You know, it's a classic case of making your own luck by being persistent, putting yourself in a place where you can get lucky. You know, basically we had a drawing for a book. The, the first person already won it. Chris won it, and then a few days later, a guest backed out of of what the uh, what the truck, and he was right there to step in. Yeah, and that's what you got. Be available, show up. Don't get upset when everything doesn't go your way. Don't burn bridges. Don't get don't get uh, you know upset with people, especially if you're in sales. It's not going to get you anywhere. Don't take things in life too too personal. There's like go on Twitter. There's enough stupid arguments about uh, about things. You know, Uh, Julie Morse says best comment Mm -hmm. today: be ahead of the truth, not behind the lie. Well, thanks, Julie. I'll uh, I'll accept that. All right, what book are we giving away this week? Oh wait, we have a uh, we have a pick'em, don't we? So, so the, I'm going to get, you know what, we're, we'll just do a pick them. Okay. I, you know, I'll send you five books. You pick the one you want, and I will send it straight from Amazon to your door. Okay. Five books, anyone you want. If you folks are not a part of this book drawing, you've never entered, all you got to write in the comments right now 
is book me and we'll add you to the next drawing. The people are already in there. But any comment you see from Kevin and I on social media, Kevin Hill or myself, you can find myself on LinkedIn at Timothy Dooner on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Kevin Hill or Kevin Hill CL on Twitter. Just comment at any time, any post we ever do, put book me. We have a shared document that Kevin and I use. And we put your names on here. Then we do a random roll. So I'm going to do that right now. Let's get a little drum roll. It's number 77, and that is, oh, Lawrence Alvarado. He is, uh, he's been a Walter hey. Truck guest. He's been on, um, uh, he's been on uh, Freightways Live. Midday Market Update. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's been all, Kev, uh, what's his, Michael and I mm-hmm. love him. I think you love him, too. He's also a musician. Yeah. He's played it forward, and uh, look, we have a bunch of comments here. So, you guys, if you're not on the list, I will double check, and if you're not, we'll put it on here. You'll be drawn next time. We really uh, we really appreciate it. We'd also do a few shout-outs at this point in the show. The first one's uh, a couple comments to, like, Joe Lynch, he talked about, he really broke down some of the problems with Cradle to the Grave. He was talking about mm-hmm. um, how Cradle gave it. It's just hard to scale. I mean, that was the crux of what he was saying, right? He's like, if you have to spend so much time focusing on the customer, you lose focus at that top of the funnel. And what we are trying to do here is to help you strike that balance and maybe be a little bit more dynamic. But that's going to take work from you guys. None of these things are magic bullets. You're going to have to assess and audit your own organization, how good they are customer service. You're going to have to use your own intuition. Like we said, use that data. See how many shipments your customers are booking. Make sure they're happy. Do those reach out. Do those connects. But don't forget your existing customers. They're the ones who pay your bills. They, they really are. And I, I, I've worked really, with really good freight brokers who, uh, in the cradle of the grave, who uh, just have really demanding accounts, and they're really good accounts, but they couldn't add to that. And so it's always a good, especially if, if you're doing it all yourself, it's a really good exercise to, to, to kind of evaluate how much time you're putting to a customer equals margin, because time is money, and it just makes it harder for you to scale, get a bigger paycheck. Uh, you're kind of doing more work for, for less money, but there's a good account. But it's always good to just sit down and really evaluate that. TJ Knudsen, he he is more of a dynamic approach. I, I try to be that way as well. He says that, you know, you got to understand your organization, but be diversified. Know when you have to step in. We, we agree with that and covered it. And Jamin, he says that, you know, cradle to grave problem with that is that burnout effect. You know, you're, you're going to get hammered by customers. And the more you grow, you're just scaling at more burnout because you're having more people contact you. Uh, Liz Wayne, she also says cradle to grave is hard to scale. I think we all agree with that. And we all feel strongly about it in one way or another, because so many of us have been put in to that cradle the grave corner and a lot of times it's because we're not doing the right things we can blame customer service but have you created that sop have you done the proper turnoff have you let your customer know how to communicate with you have you done a video chat to introduce them to the new csr look None of this stuff's easy. You want to be a good salesperson. You've got to follow the training. None of these things are magic bullets, right? You're not going to lose weight in, uh, you're not going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days with this method, but you might retain some accounts. You will. It's all that hard work. That's some foundation that makes work. It makes, takes less or takes, takes more off your plate. And the, the longer down the, the timeline it goes, but it's, it's a lot of intensive work right there. This post is still up and, and active, and I, I, I've been really surprised how much, how many thoughtful, uh, long, you know, intricate uh, comments uh, for are for the answer. So if you haven't commented, go on here and let us know your thoughts. Josh Asbury, he's the vice president at HubTrend. He said we've been going deep on channel marketing the past several weeks. Our partners have a reach ecosystem, and typically better marketing muscle than us. It also makes sense to utilize capacity and skill to get the word out. He's referencing. Last week's episode that we did with Toby Howell uh, from 
the uh, Morning Brew. If you're not following him on on Twitter, do it. If you're not following him on LinkedIn, do it. He's got amazing advice out, out there. He just put a great one on something we'll cover in the very near future: email marketing, right? And how to uh, how to do mm-hmm. A/B tests. They actually do ABCD tests, right? They do amazing stuff. Like we mentioned, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D O N E R, or on the LinkedIn. Can keep the conversation going with us, Kevin Hill, Kevin Hill CL on the Twitter, Kevin Hill on LinkedIn. We're always open to connections, always open to keeping the conversation going. Uh, if we even if we're not on air, we're more than happy to talk to you. You can find this show by looking up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player of choice. You'll find every single Freight Parents podcast there, including What the Truck, including the Midday Market Update, which is on tomorrow at noon, including Freightonomics, which is on today at 2, uh, including all of the live events. Those are all being chopped up and uploaded to that, to that server over there. And uh, what else we got on there? Everything. Every morning minute is on there. And oh, and download the Freightways. Yeah, if you want to look at us, right, Kevin? What do they got to do if they want to view us? Either they go to Freightwaves or tv.freightwaves.com, download uh, you know, Freightwaves on your, on your Apple or Roku or Fire Stick, or go to uh, Freightwaves.com, and we're up there on the front cover or front page. And uh, Josh Asbury, actually, we, we did a, a, a show, a great show on, on value versus price, uh, I think two or three weeks ago with Josh. Uh, so, so if you haven't watched that, go back and, and view that. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Podcast for closers. And thank you to, our, to Chris Jolly and everyone who's been in the comments here. A lot of book me's. Oh, we got Gregory Grimes. He wants a hat me. Nice. <laughs> I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. I got expensive because when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. I've been shutting down stars. Yeah. The winter rain and the bars. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah.